but they had records and they had something called record players. And they had an arm that stuck out, remember, you like this, move over, and you put it in that groove and it would play your song. And to this day, they say it's the best recording that you can possibly get. The most true recording you can possibly get is through, through that type of recording system. Uh, crude, but it definitely did the job. But I remember back in the day how terrible it was, the feeling that you had that when your favorite song was playing on that record and then it's beginning to skip. And you look and you saw the tiniest little hairline scratch. And now you got to go, oh, no, I'm going to have to buy a new record. Because that's my favorite song. Now, you wore it out. You tried your best to keep it in good shape. But somehow I got a little scratch. I remember what I'm talking about. Remember those days? And it would, it would just hit that spot and play over and over and over again. We call it, you sound like a broken record. Your, your mother would say, you sound like a broken record because you just keep whining about the same thing over and over again. But then somehow we got a revelation of how to fix the problem. And back in those days, what you would do, you'd either take pennies or dimes or nickels or even quarters, and you would stack those suckers up and put them on the end of that needle. And the weight of that needle, the weight of those quarters or nickels or pennies would keep that needle in the groove. And as long as that pressure was applied upon the needle, that needle would stay in the groove and continue to play your favorite song. Somebody say amen. But that is like what we call faith because putting pressure on what God has promised you, even though it feels like your life is skipping a groove, y'all didn't hear that. It feels like you can't get to the next place. It feels like you can't go on to hear the rest of your life song. If you keep your faith where it's supposed to be, it'll keep pressure. And that faith is something that will carry you into the next level of your life. Will carry you into the next song of your life, the next chapter of your life, and so on and so forth. When I was a kid, I had a lot of faith for things. You know, when you're a kid, you just believe for things. Like, you believe Santa Claus was real. I mean, you believe Santa... Oh, there might be kids in here. Sorry about that. Someone still believes... Okay, I won't take it away. He's still real, honey. He's still real. Or the tooth fairy... I remember my mom and dad told me one day, we just got saved. They said, well, we don't want to lie to the kids anymore, you know. And so I lost a tooth, and my dad said, you know, I'm going to give you the dollar, but I just want you to know something, son, uh, that, um, uh, how do I put this? I'm the tooth fairy. And my eyes got real big. And I said, Dad, you're the tooth fairy? He goes, yeah. I said, let me see you fly. Because a kid just believes what he's told. When I was about maybe 10 or 11, age, you probably should know better. My faith was running high. I was watching a little documentary with my friend on PBS, my best friend in the neighborhood. And we always got in all kinds of different troubles and stuff because our faith was too high, I think, for our own good. And we were watching this program, how the, these people were making parachutes out of different things and they were able to parachute off of whatever hill they were on or wherever rock that they were on top or whatever and they would float they would float safely down to the ground so all of a sudden we had this idea that we could do this too and my goodness we already have the parachutes made they're called garbage bags so we had the idea that we would take the garbage bags and use them as parachutes and jump off the back of my garage. 
the back of my garage, there was a sand, there was, my dad had built a sand, uh, what do you call it, um, box, sand box. At the bottom. So we thought, well, we'll jump from the top and we'll land safely down in the sandbox. So him and I were up there and now we're scared. Now the fear starts to come in, you know, but you got to override it with your faith. Hallelujah. You just got to override it with your faith. Kids don't try this at home. I do not say try this at home. You'll know why in a second. And so I decided I'm going to be the first. Well, he, we were going back and forth, arguing about it, and finally said, I'll just do it. I've always been a risk taker. I'll do it. So your pastor, about 11 years old, takes a parachute like this, puts it over my, like above my head, and I start running. And I run from the peak down to the gutter, right? And I took the biggest leap you ever saw, just leapt off, just believe with all my heart, I'd float down to the ground. Parachute never opened up. And I mean, I hit that ground full force. Boom! I, mean, I felt like I broke both my legs. I'm in agony. I'm in pain. You know, that knocks the wind out of you. You can't breathe. And all of a sudden, my friend, because I'm so mad now. I'm mad and I'm in pain because I thought he should have went first. But in, we kept arguing. Finally, I went first. So he asked, hey, man, how was it? I said, it's great. Come on down. <laughs> I couldn't see him. I was running down the side of that garage. Boom! And bam! Ah! <laughs> Our faith was high, praise God. We just didn't understand the principles, amen. This morning, I want to continue our message we started last week called A Relentless Faith. Father, we give you praise and glory and honor for this is the day you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And maybe I didn't have that parachute thing right, Lord God, but if we simply obey the principles of your word... Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so, Lord, I pray that you begin to increase our faith this morning until our dream becomes so real to us that we're not afraid to take that first step, Lord God. To our desire becomes so real to us that you place inside of us, Lord God, that we're able to go for it, Lord God, without any thought of it not happening. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, stir us, Lord. Stir us and fill us to overflowing, we pray. In Jesus' name, the church said a big amen. Well, just look at your neighbor and t just tell him you win. Just say, you already won. You win. You already won. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14 says, Now thanks be to God who always, how often? Always leads us in triumph in Christ. It may look like you made the wrong decision, but you win. It may appear that you've lost ground, but you win. It may seem like you're not going to make it, but you win. You win in the morning. You win at noontime. You win at evening. You were born to win. Somebody say amen. Say I'm a winner. Deuteronomy chapter 2 verse 1 says, Then we, we turned and journeyed into the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea as the Lord spoke to me. And we skirted Mount Seir for many days. And the Lord spoke to me saying, you have skirted this mountain long enough. Who am I talking to this morning, by the way, that felt like you went around your mountain long enough, like enough is enough. It's time for the new scenery. Somebody say amen. I just said a moment ago, you win in the morning. You win at noontime. You win in the evening. You win right before you go to bed. You win, you win when you wake up in the middle of the night. 
You win in a house. You win with a mouse. You win with a fox. You win in a box. Somebody say amen. Everybody say, I'm a winner. Because you're operating on another level that's not based on what you can see with your eyes or hear with your ears or taste with your mouth or smell with your nose or touch with your hands, but you're operating in the realm with the Spirit, and the way that you do that is by your relentless faith. You won't give up no matter what it looks like. So I know I'm talking to some people when I say, you've been skirting around your mountain, you've been going around it long enough, and you're saying within yourself, enough is enough. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He knows your trudging. He knows that you've been in some thick stuff and it's been very difficult and it's been physically tasking and mentally hard through this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. That's what we need to understand. We're grateful to God even though we've been going around the mountain, even though it's been tough for us, even though we've been trudging through it. God still has caused us not to lack for anything. He still takes care of his children. So I'm not grateful for the process, but I'm grateful in the process, and I'm grateful through the process. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you have prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You need to get free of the fact that God himself is about to bless you even in the hard season, the tough time, the seasons of contradiction when it looks like everything's going backwards. This God is setting you up. Rise, the Bible says, take your journey and cross over the river Arnon. Look, I have given into your hands Sion the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land, okay? I'm giving you the enemy's possessions. Begin to possess it and engage him in battle. I'm telling you right now, there are things that are supposed to come to you five and ten years ago, but you were not willing to engage the battle to get what God has promised you. You see, God has given you a great and precious promise. God has already said you are healed by the stripes of my son. God says I take pleasure in the prosperity of my servant. Everything you need, God has already provided. But our problem be, our problem is, is that there's a big old giant that stands between you and the promise. But if you ever understand the spirit of Jacob and Caleb, Joshua and Caleb, who said, I don't know about the rest of these folks who says we're not able, but I see a giant, which means the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And you might have a giant, but it's ready to come down today in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout yes! Begin to possess it. Engage him in the battle. I make this declaration over you. You are no longer going in circles in your life. Receive this prophetically. You are no longer going in circles in your life. It's time to possess the land. I said it's time to possess the land. In other words, it's time to take what God, take back what God has promised you. Do we have some takers in faith this morning here at Faith Builder? 
Do we got any takers online ready to take it back? He didn't say it would be easy, but he said it was yours. He didn't say it would come naturally, but he said it was yours. This God is prepared to fight battles. Are you? Now let me connect the dots. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. In other words, you're going to have to walk by faith, Abraham. I can't tell you where it is right now. You just got to walk it out. I'll show you. The moment you step out, I'll give you, I'll give you some direction. But you're going to have to do this by a relentless faith. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, empower you to prosper, and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I'm blessed to be a blessing. But he said, not before I make your name great. We have to stop thinking that our name is great just due to the fact that we serve a great God. And you do. But your name is you. In scripture, it represents who you are. Your name is your life. Your name is your legacy. And if we just depend upon the fact that God is great and the world will see we're great, we'll miss the whole thing because they won't. They don't see in the spirit. Nepotism doesn't make you great. The fight, the battle you wage is what makes you great. God wanted to make David great. So in, and David wanted to be great. He prayed for that day. So God made the opportunity for greatness to happen. He raised up Goliath. There's always a giant that's between you and where God's trying to take you. And the giant is there to intimidate you to make you feel like there's no way possible you could ever defeat it. The Bible says that there was a battle that was to be ensued. I don't have a lot of time to get into all this right now, but, but between the Philistines and between the Israelites, and David was still keeping, keeping some sheep uh, for his father as a shepherd boy, but his brothers were all in the time of war. And they had been in this place, this valley, for 40 days. And, and there was, a, on top of one hill was the Philistine army. On top of the other were the Israeli army. And Saul was there as well. And in the valley was this massive 10-foot man by the name of Goliath, who was a warrior from his youth. His sword weighed 125 pounds. I mean, he was a massive man. And he, would, he cursed Israel, cursed the God of Israel. And made a challenge and said, if anyone can defeat me, any man can come, mano a mano, come to me and, and bring me down. <clears throat> Excuse me. I will, we, Israel, rather Philistines will bow their knee and become your slaves. And, but if, if, if I defeat you, you have to become our slaves. And so they were in a conundrum. Saul was literally in his tent, shaking in his boots. No man would come forward. He couldn't find one warrior, the best they had to stand before Goliath and fight, because they knew in their minds, see, their minds were not renewed. They knew in their minds there was no way to beat Goliath. Then David comes by on the orders of his father to bring some sandwiches to his brothers. And when he gets there, he's like, what's going on here? How come we ain't fighting? And who is that idiot in that valley cursing our God? 
Who's going to put a stop to this? Well, we don't know. I mean, there's nobody here stronger. Nobody been here bad. And he says, I'll do it. I love this kind of kid's faith. God is testing him to see what he's willing to do and not willing to do. And he starts saying things like, I killed a lion when nobody was looking just to protect some of my dad's sheep. And then I killed a bear another time when nobody was looking. Only God knew. And he gave me the strength to defeat him. And I, and I, and I protected my dad's sheep. And now here I am. I'm here willing to go against Goliath. And the Bible says he went and he got five smooth stones and a slingshot and went after a man who had been in warfare his whole entire life and David who knew, ever, never knew war. All he knew is what he knew, a slingshot to keep some animals away from his dad's sheep. But he knew his God. And he knew that this giant was opposing the living God. Has anything ever erupted inside of you that said enough is enough? I'm not running anymore. I'm not crying another tear. Devil, get your hands off of me and my family. How dare you defy the armies of the living God. This day, the Lord will put you into my hand. I'm going to kill you, Goliath, and I'm going to take off your head. I'm going to feed your body to the fowls of the air. David, Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his tens of thousands. His name became great. He won the daughter's hand of Saul. He's married into the family of the king and he never pays taxes the rest of his life and lives in luxury the rest of his life. Samuel anointed David to be king when nobody else could see, which was the beginning, but it wasn't enough. The anointing, just being anointed doesn't make you great. It's using the anointing God has given you to defeat your enemies. And I'm here to tell a few people today, I know you're in a battle and it seems overwhelming. It seems like you're not going to get through it. That's a lie from the pit of hell. This devil had to send a giant. He had to send a giant to intimidate you because he knows what's inside of you. And it's sad to say, as we're trying to raise up leaders and, and warriors in the house of God. It's sad to say that most church folks come to church to be babied. It's gaga goo goo time. Put them up, pastor. Would you pick me up real quick so you can give me a nice little burp? Okay, I feel better now. People come and they come for the different, for, I, I would say for the wrong reasons, like, like a child. And they pout when they don't get their way. Uh, uh, I was going to sit in that seat. They know I sit there every week. Uh, when are they going to get the cafe up and running? Uh, uh, how many offerings will I take around here? Uh, look, I don't, I don't even... People say they want to get their way <laughs> because that's the human nature. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't even get my own way in my own church, and I'm the pastor. I want to do stuff, and God says, nope, okay, yes, sir, you're the boss. 
People have come and gone from this church, but because they have an immature behavior, they'll say things like this to me, I love you, Pastor. You're the most incredible thing. Man, you're a man of God. You're so anointed. You've touched my family. And then six weeks later, I say something they don't like. And then I'm the scum of the earth. It don't even hurt my feelings anymore. Oh, it used to just tear me up for a while. Then after a while, I went, what am I? People are just going to be people. It's the way that it is. So I didn't come for the little immature people. I came for those who are willing to grow and learn and become warriors in Christ. Somebody say amen. It's time for the body of Christ to grow up. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Church is not a daycare center for adults. Church is headquarters for military strategy in defeating the enemy. Somebody say amen. We made church something God never intended it to be. Church has become more about big screens, fog machines, and skinny jeans. That <laughs> is about growing up, owning up, stirring up, maturing up, joying up. Come on, church. I don't mind. This church has done entertainment in the past to win souls. We'll do anything. We'll put bait on the hook because every, every fish is different. And some like stinky bait. Come on, y'all. And some like that shiny bait. So sometimes you got to put, I'm all for that, but I'm against making church an entertainment center. That if I don't stand on my head, you ain't going to come out. Next week, I will have a tank full of water up here. And I will recite all the books of the Bible while I'm in. They will fasten the top. And I will have to hold my breath. And I will recite all the books of the Bible in order. And if I mess up one, I have to start all over in Genesis. Come on out and see if I make it. Oh, my God. Place would be packed, be full. But all we're doing is, is, is scratching the itch of the entertainment. And God, listen to me, church. God doesn't want it to be entertainment. He wants it to be attainment. He wants to attain his kingdom, attain his word. And by the way, we preach, preach that on purpose because have you ever noticed when people would join, even this church, and I've noticed it over the years, when they join the church in general, that's when the enemy begins to attack them. They didn't have any attacks until the moment they joined the church, like all hell broke out, that should be anticipated. Mark chapter 4, 14 says this, the sower sows the word. My job is to sow the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear Satan, they hear the word, Satan comes immediately. Here comes the battle. And takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. It should be expected that when you hear the word of God that's life-changing, that the devil's going to come to try to steal the word. The devil fights you because he knows that we are going to preach the word of God here at Faith Builders. We're not going to back down. We're not going to water it down. We're not going to compromise it. We're going to speak it the way that it is. And I notice in this climate today, the more I've, I've not changed all these years, but the culture has changed. But God does not want me to change with the culture. God wants me to stay with his word. Kingdom over culture. I said it's kingdom over culture. I appreciate your prayer because I get attacked every now and then because I say what's on my mind. And if you say what's on your mind, be careful because there's going to be everybody else that got an opinion about what you said. That's fine. They're entitled to it. But don't expect me to change. 
Honey, I don't, I never, you manip- try to manipulate me, I'll push harder. I'll go in further. Don't try to stop it. I'll just make it a little bit tougher for you next time. If I'm the idiot willing to jump off of a roof thinking a garbage bag will save my life, trust me, I'm going to be the risk taker the rest of my life. That's just who I am. Praise God. And I think every preacher ought to stand up, be heard, flat-footed, preach with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God that's uncompromised. And do not back up not one second. There's a lot I want to say about that. I'll leave that right there. Hallelujah. And the word will cause you to get engaged. This word that the enemy's trying to steal will cause you to get engaged and take back everything that belongs to God. And the enemy knows it, therefore he will attack it. Mark 4, 4, 16. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness. I like those folks. And, but here's the deal. They have no root in themselves because the soil wasn't prepared. There's still too many rocks in the soil. The root can't grow deep and so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. So here it is. There are some of you that are amening me today that won't be with me six weeks from now. And I'm not saying that to prophesy that over you. I'm saying it because I'm going to say things sometimes and I'm not, I'm not planning anything. There's no agenda here. I just know me and I know how the word works. The Lord And the prophetic, there'll be things that I say that will become offensive to some. And it'll be this. It'll be like you agree with it, you grab hold of it, but your family will begin to attack it. Your friends will begin to attack it on Facebook and social media, and now you are in a conundrum. you got to make a decision. What side are you going to stand on? You see, that's, that's okay because even the Lord says, I come to bring a sword and I will divide so that you know what's, what's right and what is wrong, what is good, and what is evil. And in this world, we're living, I don't think the world is upside down, but we're living in a culture who thinks they can turn the world upside down and change all the rules and change the principles that have been applied for generations, and they're not going to make it because, watch this, the pendulum does swing pretty far this way, but it always had the tendency to swing back. And watch out. Generation Z, the one they've been after, you watch these kids as I saw them yesterday or Friday night. I'm telling you, they're the ones that watch. They're going to rise up and go, we ain't going for this stuff. You try to push this down our throats in school. You try to push this down our throats in your agenda, on our Xbox and our Playstations and whatever else you got. You try to push this agenda in our movies and our television screen. We're not buying it. Amen. And they're going to need us to say amen, hallelujah. We're with you, we're behind you, keep on pressing in. The word tribulation, it says, the Bible says it brings tribulation. There, it simply means hardship. Have you been feeling like it's been hard for you lately? Well, that's the devil. That's the enemy. And then it says persecution will arise. Friends will forsake you sometimes over the word of God. Family will abandon you many times over the word of God. Let me tell you, those two things, hardship and persecution, if you're not careful, will bring discouragement, and discouragement will work overtime on your faith. Your faith is working on what can't be seen to bring it into the material world. And when you become discouraged through hardships and through tribulations, you will what? Discouragement will get you to quit. 
And church, that's the temptation that 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 is talking about, where it says no temptation. Temptation to what? To quit, to give up on your faith has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful. Say it with me, but God is faithful. Write that down in the comments. God is faithful. So my faith may wane and I may be tempted to quit, but I got to remind myself, God is faithful who will not allow me to be tempted beyond what I you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Another translation says, you will never face anything that you will not overcome. Everything in life that you feel you've got to overcome, God's already saw the end of this thing, and he's already proclaimed, you win. A relentless faith overcomes every negative circumstance. And I see it all the time when people are not in faith because I call it ping-pong Christianity. Ping-pong Christianity. Another, another bill showed up. Ping. Someone's talking behind my back. Pong. Ping-pong. Bad, bad doctor's report. Ping. I lost my job. Pong. It's going back and forth. Where God is saying faith will stabilize you keeps you in peace, keeps you in joy, keeps you in him. Amen. The truth is you've got to get built up in faith through the preaching and the hearing of the word of God. So congratulations. Here you are hearing the word of God on a Sunday morning. You're watching it or you're here live and you are being filled up with faith. Can't you feel it? It's like doubt and depression and the skirt begin to break off of you. Is that because I'm so good of a speaker? No. It's because the word that I'm preaching makes sense to your spirit, and your spirit says yes to it. It'll take the devil out of the fight, and the fight out of the devil when you do this by faith. My mother, maybe you've heard my stories about my mom, but my mom's a little Italian woman, and, and, um, and, and she did not believe in long battles with her son. She believed in the belt. Now, I, I'm not saying beat your children. We did live in another day in those, in those times and stuff. And I think she actually, when I bring these stories up, I think it actually makes you feel kind of bad. But, you know, it happened. Sorry, Mom, but it's just the truth. Amen. And she didn't believe in long battles. Her yes was her. She's always talking my yes is my yes, and my no is my no. So if I, if I went to her and asked her if I could do something, and then she said no, and I went to my dad, and he said yes, Jeff not only didn't get to do it, Jeff got a whipping, praise God. Because I told you no. You didn't need another no. I already said no. Your father doesn't know the circumstances of why I said no to begin with. Amen. And mom and dad, don't war. Go to war with each other over your children because your children see it and they know how to manipulate that. All these kids are good at it. Even little bitty guys, they're really good at it. So my mother would say, my mother, she didn't play around. She would call it nipping it in the bud like that. She'd be on the phone, and I'd be, like, carrying on, trying to get something that she'd want me to have or whatever. And she'd be like, yes, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Well, that's true, sister, amen, hallelujah. And she'd look at me. And then I'd, I'd look like this, and I'd start to keep doing it. And next thing you know, man, out of nowhere, a shoe could pow, hit me in the back of the head. <laughs> right? 
My mother didn't play games. At the grocery store, if you act up, she already gave you fair warning. If you act up in the store, I'm going to get you. And usually it started with a pinch. My, 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 my wife was good at that, that with our kids. Just grab a little piece of that fat and just start turning it. And man, it didn't matter. Kmart, it didn't matter. When, you, when kids acted up back in the day, you got a whipping in Kmart, the parents were like, amen, amen. Amen, he needed that. He, I was about to do it myself. Amen, that was good. Ain't nobody with phones trying to turn people in. Now, my mother was pretty good about it. I get a swap maybe in the Kmart, but when I got on that car, she opened that door and said, bend over, pow, pow. Amen. My yes is my yes, she'd say, and my no. And by the way, it's still like that to this day. Praise God. Amen. I got to close this up. But church, all it takes is faith to get to the other side, to win the battle that you're in, to get the healing to get the ministry you want, to get the, the, the um, uh, many you want to start businesses. It just takes faith. Ephesians 1, 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. In other words, your blessing starts out as a promise. Blessed are you. So before you ever came to Christ, he already gave you a blessing. It's a spiritual blessing. Most of you, of what God has for you rather, has not yet been manifested. He gave you a promise, but it hasn't yet manifested in your life. The word of God has to be fleshed out. My, my closing remark here, Luke, look at John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word, say the word, was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. Through what? The word. Everything made is made through the word. And without him, the word, nothing was made that was made. Okay? Watch this. Drop down to verse number 14. And the word became what? So say it again. It became what? Flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. Okay? Okay. The word became what? Flesh. What's that say? When God gives you a word or a promise, it's not an automatic. Somebody's got to, by faith, flesh it out the word became flesh became manifest so when I get a promise from God I take it to God I thank him for that him for that give me the wisdom give me the people give me the money whatever king but I'm going to take the first initial step of faith today and work my way towards the goal that you have now given me it shall become flesh somebody say amen did y'all enjoy relentless faith